Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. I want to encourage you, grab your Bibles, meet me in Mark chapter 10. Let's receive the tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. Mark chapter 10 and verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that is an amazing statement to meditate on. Now, first of all, the kingdom of God, if you want a very good understanding of what that is, you could base, basically call it God's way of doing things. So read this verse like this. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter into God's way of doing things. You know, to follow the Lord, you really have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And in, in many ways, you have to be sold out that regardless of what the Holy Spirit would instruct you to do, even concerning the areas of giving, concerning the areas of finances, you are not only willing to obey, but you're able and willing to do it quickly and with a joyful heart. Praise God. But if a person begins to trust in their money and lean on their, their riches, it can really be a crutch to them that causes them to miss God's best for their lives. In other words, they can't get into the kingdom activities because you have to go with the flow to be able to do that. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Why were they astonished? Because contrary to religious teaching, the disciples were not poor. All of the disciples were Jewish. Any Jewish person would know that poverty is a product of the curse, and the curse comes against those who are disobedient. And they also knew that prosperity and things working well was a result to the obedience of God's Word, God's laws. And by the way, that's still true today. Amen. So they were shocked at what Jesus said. And so Jesus continues, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So wealth can be a blocker in that area of getting into God's plan for your life when you are trusting in your money. And it doesn't mean that you can't do it because Jesus goes on to say, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Mm -mm. So you can walk in that flow, and God wants you to walk in abundance. God wants you to walk in riches and prosperity, but you have to make sure that covetousness does not sneak into your life. You have to make sure that the hobnobbing and the socializing and trying to climb the ladder of influence and prestige and all of this stuff that is complete vanity. You have to make sure that those things uh, are just stuff that you're not interested in. Now, if you find yourself in those type of circles, maybe because of your career field, maybe because of certain events that you, you have to be at because of work, you know, you go and you mingle and you talk and things like that, but you're not, you're not, um, 
faked out by the glitter and all of the smoke screens of the world that would say, this is security. This is true happiness. No, get into the kingdom and then you find out where the true living is. Praise the Lord. Let me give you a very interesting example. There's a man of God in Africa considered to be many, perhaps the, the great leader, uh, over the generations who has been very faithful as a pastor. And he has started over fi- over 50,000 churches. So he has 50,000 churches underneath his oversight, not 50,000 church members, 50,000 churches under his oversight. But you know, years ago, many decades back, he served under an old man of God who was the real deal. And this old prophet had raised up this work of God and he was getting old and he needed somebody to carry on this work that had been established by the word of God. And so he calls all of his associate pastors into his office and he says to them, I want each one of you to go home and completely empty your savings account, bring all of it here to the house of God, God calls for it. And so, you know, the guys all look at each other and they go home and, uh, you know, do whatever it is that they're going to do. And then they come back, they come back. And I believe it was the following day. They all come back and they all, you know, put out, you know, their, their savings. And then the old man sitting in the chair looks at those men. There's five, there's five of them. And he says, now he said, which one of you though did exactly what I told you to do? In other words, empty completely all of your life savings, which one of you actually did it? And there was only one, only one actually did it. And that one is the man who's that great minister today. And in that room that day, that old, that old prophet, He said, he said, now I want you other four to see this. And I want you to be aware of this, that because of his obedience, he will be the one that carries the mantle. Whoa, praise God. Praise God. Do you see how you cannot get into the things of the kingdom while you're trusting in your riches? You have to trust in God and don't think for a moment. He won't test you on it. <laughs> Woo! Look, I know some very sweet Christians. Some of them even talk in tongues. Not very much, and certainly not in public. They don't want really people to know that they do that. They would be embarrassed of that. But they do love Jesus. Uh, but, man, they're not, they're not for a second uh, going to allow God to touch that 401k that has millions of dollars in it or that inheritance that has millions and millions of dollars in it. Now they, they want to go to heaven. And if they maybe get around some Pentecostal people, maybe you'll hear them talking tongues, but there ain't no way they're going to let God come into that area of that, that, that chamber of their heart. No way. Well, can they still go to heaven? Yes. Can they get into the kingdom? God's way of doing things. No, no. And you can't buy your way into it either. Woo! 
Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So you can have great wealth as long as it doesn't have you. God has no problem with you being rich, being prosperous. He just doesn't want you to be covetous. And you have to also beware that there is that, that world of that where it does try to like take over. But when you're aware of it and you're guarded against it, and you're also walking close with the Lord, you're free and you're in that flow. Don't ever come out. Praise God. Now we're going to receive the tithes. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. The tithe is 10% of all of your income. God said it belongs to him. It sanctifies the other 90% and you are blessed. Praise the Lord. While we're bringing in the tithe, we are also looking forward to the Feast of Tabernacles, October the 1st, 2023. We're just about three weeks out. So we're getting real close to that little, little longer than three weeks, but I want you to sow something special on that day. And for some of you, it needs to be even sacrificial. Do what God tells you to do. That's all you have to do is do what the Lord, the Holy Spirit shows you to do. And the giving that comes in for the Feast of Tabernacles, we will take it and we will use it to pay off the remaining balance on the Field of Dreams, the 14.5 acre property that we have, where the new studio will be built at for television. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your special offering. Okay. I want you to get that in either on October 1st or just a little bit before that. Okay. Sow your very best seed. Now let's bring the tithe in right now. Okay. If you're mailing it in, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box, 717 Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Now, if you're going to bring your tithe in, you can do so from anywhere in the world. Go online, stephenbrooks.org. And there at the website, stephenbrooks.org, look up. There's a header. And click the one that says Give Online. That will take you to the giving page where you can bring your tithe in into the storehouse of God. Heavenly Father, bless your people. May they always be spiritually rich. May that always be what their inheritance and primary focus is. And Lord, give them a lot of money. Let them be blessed, O oh God. Let them be, let them be loaded. But let them be loaded primarily with spiritual riches. A walk with you that will not be compromised for any earthly reasons or, ju or so-called justifications. Bless them real good, Father. And I know you're going to, in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. And thank you for your giving. And thank you for preparing also for the Feast of Tabernacles special offering. Now, let's take our Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 1. Let's go directly to verse 26. Let me pray over this verse. Father, let your word come forth with illumination today. Let it bring healing to our souls. Let your people receive that touch upon their mind in Jesus' name. And we say amen. Praise God. Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So we have image, we have likeness. When I was a young boy, I was in Sunday school and uh, the other boys that were in there or my age, most of us were about the age of eight or eight, nine or 10 years old. And the question was posed to the teacher by one of the young boys, what does God look like? And the teacher who was a good teacher 
but didn't really know what to answer. The teacher said on this one, though, he said, you know, we just don't know, boys. We just don't know. It could be that when we get to heaven and we finally see God, that maybe God looks just like a big cloud or a vapor. Maybe he just floats around. We don't really know. But my friends, when you begin to delve into the Bible, we certainly do know. He looks like us, just way more glorious, way more majestic, because he is the Almighty, the Father, the Son, who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, we are made in the wonderful image of God. My friends, today I want to go inside. There will be some things, of course, that touch the exterior, but let's go on the inside, because even when we read in the Old Testament about how Joshua and the Israelites were going into the Canaan land to possess their land, we understand that for them it was physical. They're taking real land. They're killing real giants. They are moving back. The Hittites and the Amorites and the Philistines and on and on it goes. They're taking territory. But also the flip side of that prophetically is that you've got to take the interior territory of your mind. You've got to drive the Philistines out of your mind. You have to drive out the Girgashites and the Hittites and the Amorites and all of these things that perhaps were just baked into your life. You didn't have certain control over it, but that's just the way you were raised. And maybe later on you found out, wow, that really clashes with what the Bible says. What do you do? You have to now go to work and drive those things out from the interior of your soul. My friends, you are a spirit and you have a soul and you live in your body. So you are a spirit. You're not going to be a spirit. You are one. You have a soul that comprises your mind, your will, your emotions, and you live where? In the house of your body. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, come with me over to Romans chapter 12, as we are working on the image and the likeness. Anything inside of you, as we're talking today, as the Holy Spirit is working and moving today, anything within your soul, the topography of your soul, that does not reflect the image and the likeness of God, the Holy Spirit is going to help you to go to work on it, and He's going to work with you to get that healed and, and what? Made in the right image. Praise God. Certain life events, certain circumstances, even things many times beyond our control, can come along and devastate the image. But you know what? Although it can be marred, it can still be fixed and healed. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed or molded to this world, but be transformed. That's the word in the Greek, metamorphos. That's just the same word that you would use in the expression of a butterfly transitioning from like the lowly worm. The, not the worm, but the caterpillar moving uh, through that's all the different phases, the metamorphosis into this beautiful thing that has metallic colors on the wings and he's flying and he's enjoying life and uh, making us think of how uh, glittery and pretty he looks. So uh, don't be transformed by, uh, 
but excuse me, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My friends, the mind can be renewed. The number one way that you renew your mind is to wash it with the water of God's word. You know, it's very interesting because there are many videos that are very popular about cleaning cars. I think there's something very therapeutic about seeing a car filthy on the outside and the, on the inside and seeing it get sparkling cleaned. And if you've noticed that the videos that get the most attention, even millions upon millions of views are like the titles that say first wash in 20 years or first wash in 40 years. In other words, the car maybe was locked in a barn, lost, forgotten, and it's been taken out. And now it's going to get the first wash it's ever had. And well, it's kind of therapeutic. It's very relaxing. Maybe after a long day at work to sit back and watch somebody else work for a little bit and take something that looks awful and do what? Begin to renew it in the sense by washing it and seeing it move from a thing a position of being dirty and filthy to now being very, very clean. You know, I've watched a few of those videos and some of the ones happen to feature some cars that it's almost like supernatural how dirty they got. The inside of the car is filthy. It's almost like they took candy bars and ground it in to the car carpet mat on the floor and there's cigarette ashes and there's, uh, uh, rat droppings and there's like spilled drinks and it's all over the floors. It's all over the seats. And it does beg the question, why in the world would anybody ever do that to their car? Why would they uh, drive something? How could they even get into something like this, much less drive it around when there's grease and filth all over over the place, food, uh, French fries that have been there for 10 years or just how could somebody keep driving and sitting in something like that? Doesn't it bother them? In many ways, it doesn't bother them anymore. And we need to talk about that. The reason that the car, for example, is trashed on the inside and even on the outside is because their soul in many ways is also defiled. I, I call it a deformed soul. So you would look at something being expressed out of that person's life, such as the vehicle they drive, and you think, how come they don't clean it? The reason they don't is because it's not clean in here. Now, if you're listening to me on a podcast, I'm pointing at the mind. If it's dirty in here, you're going to have dirt and weird stuff in all kinds of other places. Again, Romans 12, verse 2, but be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind. So your, your mind, to renew it, you can wash it, and that will begin that renewing process. Thank you, Lord. Renew it. You can fix it so that it's not broken anymore. Some people, they, they do have complete broken areas in their soul. Now, I'm going to give you two ways to get healed, uh, and they're, they're, they're proven over the millennia. I'll share those two with you. To renew it means to fix it so it's not broken anymore. 
Come on, begin to heal all the small things even in your world. If the light bulb is out and it's been burned out for three years, let's take the old one out, throw it in the trash can and get a new one in there. Begin to renew. Begin to heal. It will help you also in the areas of your soul. Praise God. Now, this word also means to renovate. And it does, in the Greek, uh, carry that meaning of renovating like you would even an old house. Think of your mind, maybe like an old mind that thinks wrong, behaves wrong, and doesn't want to do right, but still has an interest in some things that would be wrong. Well, you can renovate your mind. You can go into your mind, just like you can go into an old house that maybe you bought to renovate, and you can start renovating it to the point you can make it brand new. Now, we know they can do that with homes or entire um, networks on television and on satellite where you could do nothing but watch one show after another how an old junkie home was taken and restored. Maybe it was even built in the 60s or the 50s, and it looks today like it's something that's brand spanking new. You know, um, there was a time that my wife and I once went to go look at a home that was for sale. We thought we might be interested in it. We, we knew up front that if we bought this home, it was going to need a ton of work. But when we went into this home uh, and it was shown to us, we realized the work level needed to be done was just, uh, it would be better to just probably tear the whole thing down on this one. It wasn't worth saving. But the the level of of or the status of the home was so bad. There was so much, the roof was collapsing. Uh, really nothing had been touched in probably 50 years. Now somebody might say, well, that's like a time capsule. Uh, well, it was a time capsule that needed to be just uh, lost in time. It wasn't worth restoring. It was why, because nothing was ever done at all to maybe move it along, and it was just totally left to just fall apart, and it was really, really bad. But you know what was staggering? Is that the person who was showing the home to us was not bothered by it one bit, could walk through there. I, I, I mean, you're talking mold and mildew, and you're talking like collapsing walls and collapsing roof, and the person's walking through there like this is normal. Uh, you want to buy it? I'll make you a good deal on it. You want to buy it? I'm thinking, wow, uh, I, wow. I, I, I think if I had it, I just, who wants to take it? You could have it for free. <laughs> Come get it. <laughs> and the person's like, oh, I'll make you a good deal, but I need to get top dollar on it. And I'm thinking it ain't ever going to happen with nobody. Wow. But the person, the, the person um, was exhibiting what I would call, let, let me, I'll, I'll say it like this. The house actually looked like a haunted house. It looked like a haunted house. Well, Pastor Stephen, why would a person, a Christian, the person was a Christian. Why would a person who was a Christian have an old place like that where they never clean it and it looks like a haunted house? You know why? Because they have a haunted mind. It's their mind is like a haunted house and it is manifesting outward in the way that they live and the way that they decorate and the way that they let things completely fall apart. Why? Because it's falling apart in here. Wow. Glory to God. Glory to God. And these things affect even the way you look. They affect the way that you, you, you live your life. And some of this can, 
be areas where you are born into it. Maybe you were born into hard poverty and you don't even know what normal is. And, and so you have to, you have to let the Lord work with you with his word. But let me give you an example. We used to have a motor home and we traveled full time in the ministry, traveling state to state. And so we would drive across the country often. Uh, I've driven the I-40 from North Carolina to California back and forth many times and going to many other states many, many times. Uh, But I remember one time when we were going through the Smoky Mountain area, we stopped and there was a a little restaurant. And we were always up to trying new things, new restaurants. So we tried this restaurant. Uh, That was the restaurant owned by country western singer Loretta Lynn, who's now in heaven. So I can tell the story. She just passed away (laughs) not too long ago. (laughs) So we said, let's eat at Loretta Lynn's kitchen. That's what it was. The restaurant was called. Well, we got some food, and I ordered uh, for my dessert a slice of pie. They had like a little revolving thing. You know, you could see it through the glass of desserts of pie. So I got a slice of pie, and, and I got my little entree meal. And I'm eating my meal, and I tell you what, uh, it was like, ha- it was like, um, it was like the food was baptized in lard, it's almost like saying, would you like some uh, green beans and mashed potatoes with your lard? I mean, the lard was like the meal itself. Now, I'm looking at food, but the food has been so cooked in so much lard that all you can taste is lard. And so, well, I ate some of it, but it was just so greasy. I told Kelly, I can't, I can't eat any more of this. She said, this is probably the greasiest food I've ever had in my life. Now, look, I grew up in Mississippi. I know what greasy food is. My grandmother cooked with all kinds of lard. I could see her take the big scoop of that white Crisco lard and throw it into the hot skillet and cook with that. And all Southern people in that area I grew up in, they all cooked with that. But this was like lard off the, off the deep end. And so then I got my pie. And it was some kind of like a blueberry pie or something like that. And I began to eat the pie. And it was like eating raw lard. I couldn't taste the pie crust. I couldn't taste the fruit in the pie. All I could taste was lard. Wow. Let me ask you a question. What if you were raised eating there every day? And you were, from the moment you were born, your parents took you there. And this way of eating is the only kind of food you know. You'd be like, well, Pastor Stephen, I I couldn't help it. You're exactly right. And many of us are born into dysfunctional families. We're born into dysfunctional environments. I was raised in Mississippi, the poorest state in the nation. And uh, I don't even think the number two state was close to number one. I've heard some good stories out of Kentucky and and out of other places, the coal mines of West Virginia. Uh, come on down to Mississippi. You can't compete with us down there. (laughs) And I thank God that we moved. Uh, when I was in junior high, my dad got a great job offer in Texas and we moved. And, um, that was a great, great blessing. But wow, it was, it was tough. And I've got family members that still live down there. And, uh, a lot of it hasn't changed. And I love that state and I wish, wish them well. But, uh, you, you could be born into poverty. You could be born into things, and this stuff starts to become a part of who you are. And what happens? What happens? The image, the likeness of God in you begins to get so muddied that, that when people look at you, they don't think God quality. They don't think 
wow, that there's something on them that's of dignity or, or majesty or something that, that, uh, that inspires me. They look and maybe they even laugh. They look and maybe they, they snicker. Maybe because you can't tie your shoes right. Maybe because you don't have any shoes or socks. <laughs> Woo! I was in, um, you know, elementary school. And uh, uh, matter of fact, and I talked to my mother the other day, when I went to first grade, that was the first year ever that the state was integrated because up before then it was segregation. You know, the blacks and whites were separated. So when I went to first grade was the first time they ever put us all together. <laughs> and I didn't know that. None of us kids knew that. We just know we're going off to school. And, um, well, we had a lot of fun. But I remember there was just one big black boy. And uh, he, uh, when we got around fifth grade, he just started growing. And he's, you know, like, he's like already looking like a young man, but he was way bigger than us. And one day, in, you know, at the cafeteria, he's putting spaghetti, uh, spaghetti with spaghetti sauce on it and meatballs, and he's shoving it into his pants pocket. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, he said, Stephen, I'm so hungry at home. We ain't got no food. He said, I'm so hungry. I'm trying to save something for later. Shoving uh, spaghetti with sauce into his pockets. That, that was the world I grew up in to the point when, when my mom and dad would host other church members over to our house, oh, break out the good stuff. What was that? We, my mom would make peanut butter jelly sandwiches and would cut them real nice and serve them to the people when they came over. And we grew the peanuts in the backyard. Mm -mm. That stuff affects you. So you begin to get into, into the world, uh, excuse me, into the word of God. And you're like, oh God, <laughs> my mind. <laughs> okay, so today it is a very hot topic. Thank God it's got momentum. And thank God that the Holy Spirit is moving through this in the area where many young women and young boys are being rescued out of sex trafficking. Okay, here's the catch. You can bring a child out of sex trafficking. Maybe they've been trafficked. For five or ten years, maybe for 15 years, but you get them out before they kill them, and, you know, which is what they do sometimes. I won't go into that because the darkness is very disgusting. But let's say we rescue these children. You get them out of sex trafficking, but you still have to get the sex trafficking out of them. Why? That's, that's all they've known is perversion. So here's the thing. Even upon salvation, your spirit is recreated, and now the image can be brought back to the garden of Eden where you are walking with God in the cool of the day. But here's the thing while your spirit is, is recreated and made brand new and you are born again and you're ready for heaven. Your mind is not your soul has to be renewed and you will still have memory. You may still have flashbacks. You may still think, ah, I still have these uh, crazy memories or maybe you got saved. And after you got saved, Maybe you didn't know who you were in Christ, and maybe the devil still roughed you up, and so maybe you had some traumatic events or had some bad experiences, and that stuff still floats all around in there, and it can, it can cause the image, the likeness of God, not to shine out of you the way that God wants it to do. Praise God. So we have to bring healing into these areas. I don't want any of you having a haunted house up here. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't want any of you having cobwebs in your mind. 
well, Pastor Stephen, now the reason maybe somebody couldn't take care of the house is they don't have the money to do it. Uh, hello, could you at least buy a broom? It doesn't cost but $5 to go to Walmart and buy a broom. But if you can't buy a hammer, buy a broom and knock down all the spider webs so it doesn't look so weird and crazy. Mm -mm. Praise God. So you can go to work on your mind and begin to get that stuff out of your mind. And trust me, if you get it out of your mind, I'll guarantee you, you'll get it out of the external areas of your life. The external is easy. It's easy to put it in order externally when you've got order up here. Praise God. When the image is being redefined in your mind according to the biblical standard, amen, then everything on the outside begins to come into the right, the right look. Now, I want to share two things that will really help you in this area. The first one can be found in Joshua chapter 1. Verse 8, praise the Lord. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. Now, for those of you that might be new to the faith, and maybe you don't know much about the Bible yet, when you see here the word meditate, this is not Eastern meditation. This is not meditation that's coming out of areas of China or areas of, uh, you know, that are influenced by uh, Buddhism and things along that line. But this is meditation from the Hebrew perspective, from God's way of meditating, which means basically in its meaning to take a scripture and chew on it. It does give a word picture here of a cow that chews the cud and the cow swallows it because the cow has more than one stomach. And then it's brought back up again. And then the cow keeps chewing on it some more. So meditating on the Word of God is to take a scripture or to take what God is speaking to you and sit down and think about it and pray over it and meditate on it. You know, you can fight on your knees. And I know that expression is tied to a very popular song. And many times people think about prayer. I'll fight on my knees. I'll get on my knees and pray. You can fight on your knees through meditation, just sit down with your Bible and lean over maybe on a couch or just sit down with it. I'll tell you this. If you kneel before God or sit before God, revelation, it'll flow. It doesn't mean you can't sit on a couch or stand up, but there's just something about sitting and you take a Bible and you can begin to fight on your knees, meditate on the word. And that word will begin to work in you and will begin to do what? It'll begin to bring you back into the right image. It will begin to wash out and renew your mind from all of the broken, crazy, weird stuff that life tells you is normal, that life says, well, everybody else is doing it. Let me let you in on a secret. Please listen very carefully. First of all, not everybody else is doing it. And the truth is, that there are many believers that are walking in victory. Not all believers are walking around sick, broke, or practicing some little dirty secret sin habit. No, victory is available. Wake up, please. Wake up. Don't make excuses for why you can't walk in victory. Pastor Stephen, you're preaching strong now. 
Hang with me. I think I'm starting to get warmed up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Mm -mm. I was talking to one man one time about living right. He's a good old, um, good old Christian brother living locally. I said, brother, we need to live right so that we honor God. Oh, now, Pastor Stephen, we all have those sins that so easily beset us. I said, you might. I said, not me. Ain't everybody walking around, messing around in sin. Not, every, not everybody's dipping their pool, their foot in the pool of sin, thinking that sounds good. I think I'll jump in. <laughs> That's all a lie. That's all a lie. Rise up into the blessing. Come on. Get into the good life. Live for the Lord. Mm, thank you, Jesus. This book of the law, or the word of God, as we would say, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So the word of God, when you meditate on it, it begins to heal. It's like you're having your own counseling session with the great counselor. Oh, Pastor Stephen, Jesus is the great counselor. Let's sing a song. Well, let's not just sing a song. That's good too. Let's, let's let him actually counsel us. So when you sit down with your Bible, the Holy Spirit will bring a, bring a scripture to you that begins to heal your mind. And you may feel agitated. You may feel you want to give in to that sin. Maybe you think I've, I've given in many, many times before. God's word, as you meditate on it, will bring you the strength and the peace well, you just say, nah, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm above that stuff. I'm in Christ. I'm the Eagle Saint. I ain't getting down in the dirt anymore. Woo! And as you hang out with God, you just get stronger. And that, that desire or craving starts to leave you. Watch out. Watch out. This is very, very potent, what we're talking about today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. God has victory. On his mind for you. You may have given in on certain things before. Maybe held out for a while. Then just the devil put the pressure on you. Threw in the towel. Okay. You need to meditate on the word of God. Sit down. Hang out with God. Spend some time in the word. Let the Lord speak to you. And he will talk to you. Praise the Lord. Now. Along with meditation. You need what the scripture calls consecration. Now, this is very important. Meditation is what you selectively let in. You're letting the scriptures in, the ones that God is refreshing you with. Consecration is what you selectively keep out. Mm. Now, this is really big. This is really big. Sanctification is the work that God does in your life, and he'll... He responds to your level of consecration. Do you know that I have minister friends? I, I know some ministers that it doesn't matter what the movie is that comes out. They are going to go out and they're going to watch the most recent movie. And it, it doesn't, as wild as it sounds, it doesn't even matter what it's rated. It doesn't matter if it's rated R. Now, we know that the movies today that are rated R would it be the movies that, you know, 20 years ago were, were rated X? So everything, you know, is out there and available now. But I know pastors, it doesn't matter what the rating is. They're going to go out and they're going to see the latest movie. It doesn't matter how many times God's name is blasphemed. It doesn't matter how much nudity in it. They're going to go out and they're going to watch it. 
Why? They don't understand consecration. Mm -mm. What is consecration? It is a commitment that you make very seriously to the Lord that you are completely His and you're going to walk as close as you can with Him and your consecration means there are certain things now because you've consecrated your life to God, there are certain things now you can't do. And that's okay. It doesn't make you sad. You actually rejoice in it. Now this is very, very hard for some believers to understand. But when, when the man of God, Samson, when his life was consecrated to God from childhood, that meant you'll never taste grapes, you'll never drink grape juice, you'll never have uh, grape pop flavored popsicles, and you're never going to cut your hair. Oh, Pastor Stephen, how awful. What, what a horrible thing for a child to go through. No, it's called his consecration, and he's going to be raised up with a mighty anointing to torment the Philistines and to deliver God's people. It's not asking too much. It's an honor to be able to even do it. Praise the Lord. That's his consecration. And when you're consecrated, you can't do what others do who have not consecrated their lives. Mm-mm. And they know what it is. I've talked to them. Uh, one very well-known minister, he's, uh, you know, is on TV all the time. He said, oh, Brother Stephen, I'm not willing to pay a price like that. We're talking about a consecrated life. He's like, I, I know what it is. I, that's not something I'm interested in. He wanted the, he wanted the comfort life. He wanted the um, super smooth life. And you know what? God gave it to him. That's what he wanted. But you know what? If you want to do something with the Lord working through you that will have an eternal weight of glory, you're going to have to get into the area of consecration. Now, this is why these two things are so important. Meditation, you're meditating on the Word, and you're being very selective about uh, what you're letting in. You're going to let the Word in. But if you do that, if you meditate on the Word, let's say for 30 minutes, and you've been blessed, but then you go right over now, and you, you jump into something where you expose yourself to imagery, or you expose yourself to things that stir up and excite your flesh, you have just washed away what you've done. Why? You don't understand consecration. And you need both of them to come into this place of developing a whole soul. So, if you want to bring that healness and holy in, uh, that wholeness into your soul, where you can break off these crazy things. You know, I had an encounter one time with the Lord in a vision. And He stood in front of me. He's only like three, maybe three or four feet standing right in front of me. There's the head of the church, Jesus, and He's talking to me. And He's sharing some things with me in a vision. And one of the things He told me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it because I actually have recorded uh, that one statement he made, he made to me. This is what he said. He said, some of, some of the events that you went through in life, I don't hold you fully responsible for because nobody ever told you how to live. My preacher didn't tell me. Why? He, he didn't understand any of this. 
He would just stand up every Sunday and give another salvation message. You need to get your life right with God, repent of your sins, come to God. Who wants to be, get, who wants to be saved? Well, what do you do after you've been saved? And what do you do when you hear that every Sunday over and over? What do you do? So I, I didn't learn anything. I hardly ever learned anything. And the stuff I did learn was just more like hid knowledge. You know, it didn't really help me in the fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then also, uh, in these other areas where there should be teachers, they really didn't know either, so they couldn't impart anything. So what happens? You get steamrolled by the devil. Mm -mm. And so the devil just drove right over me and rolled right over me. And I got caught up in things and went through things that it was never God's will for me to go through. But, you know, I, I still love the Lord and got through them. But um, I was never taught how to live. You need to meditate on the word. It will bring healing to any trauma. It will bring healing to any wrongs. You'll be, you'll be a person of love and forgiveness, but you'll also be strong and have a backbone. You'll become a leader. But also, along with bringing the word in, you must have a guard and a fence of consecration where you don't now let the garbage in too, because the garbage will push under the good that you're trying to do. You, I'll give you an example. You can do a 40-day fast, but you know what? Eventually, even if you do that, which is a great sacrifice, but if you do that, you will eventually come off of it. You can't keep going forever. Although you, there are people that fast it for much, much longer, by the, but only by the grace of God. And those are very, very rare cases. So, you know, for the most part, you're going to come off. What happens after you come off? You'll have that high. You'll have that, that beauty, that purity, that closeness. But if you start allowing everything back in, putting all the junk back in, you, you will just begin to mar the image again. So that's why you need both. You need, to, you need to have meditation, and you need to also have a consecration in your life. Praise God. It's a package deal. You can have this great prayer life, but then go over here and watch a horror movie for two hours and just think you're going to move forward with God. No, you, you did something beautiful, but, but then you came over here, and then you just threw mud all over the image of Christ in you. Wow. Praise the Lord. It really is a package deal. What you put in through meditation, what you keep out through consecration. Anything that blurs or mars God image, God's image in you, go to work on it through meditation on the Scripture, and through also just saying, you know what? I'm not listening to that type of music ever again. It stirs me up. It makes me, makes me kind of agitated in a very carnal way. No, don't ever, don't ever, ever listen to it. Oh, Pastor Stephen, everybody does. You're being fooled if you actually believe that. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people all over the world that are very, very serious about their walk with the God, about their walk with the Lord and wanting to please Him. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now look at this, our closing scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to see it from a different light. Verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So God can completely sanctify you. And what would that be? And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus 
Christ. So God can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, sanctify you completely. You actually can have a whole soul. You really can. You don't have to be broken, shattered, messed up in any area. Well, Pastor Stephen, it was the way I raised. I, I can't help it. I grew up in an alcoholic family. I grew up in a family where my mom and dad were fighting it out. And, uh, and maybe you did. And that's pretty wild for a young child and pretty uh, tragic and awful for a young child to see mom and dad hitting each other over the head with frying pans and knocking each other out and stuff like that. That's pretty wild. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay maybe in like a damaged mode. No, you don't. You can get healed up. And you can look back, and back at that stuff and say, how stupid. Thank God I don't have to be like that. And thank God I'm delivered. And thank God I'm whole. Hallelujah. <laughs> thank God I don't have to be a pervert. Maybe I was raised in an area where old uncle so-and-so was a real nut. But, you know, or whatever the case might be. It seems like every community has them or stuff like that. But thank God, you know, that you're clean. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Or what, There's just all kinds of defilement and filth all over the world and all kinds of places. Maybe you see something and you never even meant to, but you saw it or you heard it. But you know what? God can bring the cleansing and the healing that you need completely. Here's the catch. If you meditate the word that brings renewal and cleansing and you consecrate your life, I mean, where you're God's completely, you consecrate yourself. You put yourself on the altar and say, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. I give my life. I'm not playing any games. I'm not trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in, in serving you. I'm, I'm completely yours. And all that I have, it's all at your feet. If you will consecrate yourself, God can do a supernatural work of sanctifying you. Mm, and that's when God comes in. God comes in and says, all right, you're doing your part. I'm going to reach in there and I'm going to take some things out of you that only I can do. I'm going to pull out some darts and some barbs and some hooks that the enemy put into you, maybe when you were five years old, maybe when you were 10 years old, when you found that dirty magazine that somebody left and you didn't know what it was, you picked it up and looked at it. The next thing you know, a hook was put into your soul. God can sanctify you completely, but you must give him complete consecration. Praise the Lord. Some of you have never, ever done that with your life. If you haven't, let's do it right now. Just lift your hands and say, Lord Jesus. Now do it only if you mean it. Say, Lord Jesus, I, I consecrate my life to you. I've had enough of playing around and messing around. Lord, I am completely fed up with a half-baked commitment. I give you my life fully. I know I'm saved, but I give my heart to you completely. I consecrate my life to you. Now, Jesus, sanctify me through and through. Thank you. Bring healing into the deepest parts of my soul. Thank you. Walk through every chamber of my heart and clean and put my life in order. Here's all the keys to my heart. Take them all and come on in. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching today's program and you've never given your life to the Lord, you could receive God's eternal life and forgiveness of sins right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Save me now.
Wash all my sins away. Cleanse me with your holy, precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And step into my life from this day forward and lead me and guide me in all that I do. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. God is good. The Lord is good. Let's take Holy Communion together. If you are a Christian, even if you just got saved, you can take communion as a believer. Take communion with us. Grab some grape juice and grab a little cracker, a little wafer. Let's pray over them right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we sanctify this. That is, we set it apart as being holy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This, this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Some of you are taking communion for the first time with a full consecration. Woo, praise the Lord. Woo, praise the Lord. You've been running with the, you've been running with the Lord, but also kind of running with, running with the enemy a little bit too. Amen. And you're making a full consecration. Praise God. Remember, shut off the bad. Shut off the bad. If you're trying to do the good and you're still got the floodgates open for the bad, you can't live it. It won't work. Meditate on the word, but shut off the filth. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, if I do that, I might not be informed. Well, maybe there's some things you don't need to be informed about. Maybe it adds nothing to your life except just sucking up more uh, data memory <laughs> and, and the, the, the brain bank of your mind. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord's body. We receive it now. Thank you, Father God, that you are able to sanctify us so that when Jesus comes back, we are ready to go. We are ready to go. We are ready to go. Thank you, Father. We receive his flesh now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus, as we receive it. We thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we thank you that you love us the way we are, even with flaws and imperfections, you still love us. But you also love us too much to leave us the way we are. And you want the image of Jesus, the mature son, to be expressed through us. Now, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Let us drink now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just lift your hands for a moment. The Holy Spirit is moving. Lord, we give you praise and glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For many of you, your spiritual senses are beginning to awaken. 
Lord, let the gifts of your spirit begin to flow. The supernatural fragrance of evergreen actually smells like pine saw. That's it. The supernatural fragrance of pine saw, which is that cleaning uh, uh, liquid, is moving right now. It's flowing right now. And the Holy Spirit is cleansing you and setting you free from that which previously has defiled you. And that will no longer from this day forward be a stronghold in your mind. And although there will be other times, we're not afraid of it. There will be other times when you will be tested or tempted by the enemy. The strength will be there and you will tell him you're never coming back in here and making this house dirty ever again. You're not defiling my mind. I refuse to look at that. I refuse to engage in that. I refuse to talk about that. Now, oh God, we give you praise. Somebody you're listening to me. You were a real joke teller. And your jokes were off color. They were loaded with, with uh, hints and suggestions and sometimes just outright coarseness. And you knew it, but it made a lot of people laugh. And the Holy Spirit's got you. He's got you in a place right now. He's not going to let you go. Let, that, let the Holy Spirit sanctify your tongue. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So the Holy Spirit pine saw is moving right now, cleansing, cleaning. Cleansing, cleaning areas of the mind. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is like feather dusting and cleansing and working just like He would in the dirty room. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we give you all of the praise. We give you all of the praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What's the use of having a big family Bible on the uh, coffee table in the middle of the living room when nobody ever reads the Bible? Praise the Lord. All this religious fuddy-duddy stuff doesn't do anything. Friends, get past all the religious facade and go to work so that you have that image in you, praise God. And you'll find that people pour their hearts out to you because there's something about you. They know there's an authenticity with you. And you can pour in the healing oil. And most importantly, not only help them to get in the healing, but how to live in a place of peace and protection. Or you sleep good at night. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You sleep good in a very troubled world. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you that even as we conclude, your Holy Spirit is still ministering. Still ministering. Oh, God, we give you praise. The Lord is wanting to take you to the high places. He's wanting to take you up. Glory to, the God, to God. To the place where the eagles soar. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be very careful what you allow in, what you allow into your ear gate and your eye gate. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving. Remember, it's a package deal. You can't just do the spiritual and then let all the junk in. You have to have both. Do the spiritual, but keep the other out. Some of you are going to find so much peace, you're almost not going to know what to do with yourself because you're going to be peaceful and happy and all the agitation and all the irritability on the inside of you. It's like it's going to evaporate. <laughs> you know, some of you are going to think, what happened? Did, I, did the rapture just take place? Was I just taken up? No, no, you just got consecrated and you're actually now walking in it. Praise the Lord. Now continue it. Father, bless your people. Thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, as I say goodbye, thank you for also prayerfully keeping in mind the Feast of Tabernacles, October 1st. Thank you for preparing your sacred gift for the Lord on that day. I'll be praying for you. Have a great week. See you back real soon. Bye-bye.